This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora, I'm Ian Turner. Welcome to Garden of Sound, sponsored by The Nephilist. Alcohol-free drinks that stir you. Find out more at thenephilist.com. Today's guest is Ali Harper, a much-loved member of Christchurch's musical community whose talent and drive are recognised far and wide. But aside from being just a singer, Ali is a producer, a writer, an actress, a mother, a grandmother, a singing teacher, acting coach and yoga teacher into the bargain. Is there nothing this woman can't do? But with a national tour of her new Burt Bacharach-themed show about to get underway, where will 2020 lead this wonderful woman? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ali Harper on Plains FM 96.9. Ali, I want you to tell me uh, about your first memory of music in your life, first time you heard it. Uh, well, I would say it was with my dad. My dad was a great musical lover, and so he always played lots of great music, you know, with a good old record player. And he would sing and whistle and played the spoons when he'd had a few. So I just remember my dad in particular was a great, yeah, musical lover. There was always a lot of music in our house, and my mother was always very good at making up songs whether you liked them or not. You know, when I'd come home from camp, she'd sing the song. Have you ever seen a dream walking? Well, I have. She is getting along. I mean, you know, kind of aggravating song, but it was music. So that was an entirely an original composition yes. she'd come up with. Yes, my mother. Not entirely related to what you just, like a camp song or something like that. No, nothing. It was just her making it up. So I think between my dad loving music and my mum making up songs, well, they created me. Um, were there any instruments along the way apart from the voice? And the spoons? Mm. Uh, well, mum did learn the piano when she was young and she made me learn the piano. And so I would have to, you know, slog it out with my piano lessons and practice. And But actually, you know what, I use that piano now when I'm teaching, teaching singing. And, I, you know, I don't play to the performance level, but I'm very thankful for that early training that I had. When did you first realise that you could sing or when did somebody else realise you could sing? At Fendleton Primary School, I joined the choir. I was in the choir and I loved to sing. I loved to put on little shows, whether it was at St Barnabas Church where I went, putting on the Ritz and all those kind of, and singing Bring Him Home from Les Miserables. I just always knew I wanted to be a singer. In fact, I told that to the Standard 4 uh, principal of Fendleton School. He said, well, what would you like to do when you leave school? And I said, I want to be a famous singer. And I sort of just knew. And I think that's quite fabulous, you know, not worried about the fame nowadays, but to be a singer and to earn a living from it, it's pretty awesome. And I think, wow, how lucky I was to know what I wanted to do from that young age. Because, you know, it takes a long time for sometimes the youth to work out what they want to do. Where do you sit on the doing it for the music's sake, doing it for the adulation? Where oh, does Ali go? Yeah, as I'm getting older, that's a really interesting question. Um, I do it for my soul, absolutely. But you know what? There's adulation and there's also people coming up to you after a show really moved. 
really it fills something for them, whether it's nostalgia because their mother who has now passed has heard Doris Day or, you know, introduced Doris Day to that person standing in front of me. So that for me is an absolute gift. And I think that's what encourages me to keep going because it's not for the faint-hearted when you're producing, writing, putting it on, getting bums on seats, all those things that my husband and I do through my production company. It's hard work, but then when we go and perform and I'm standing there listening and talking to these people, I go, yeah, this is why I do it. You talk about your mum being a creative influence, at least. Was there any original material that came from the pen of Ali? I keep speaking about you in the third person Uh. to disarm you. (laughs) Well, it's funny, I... um, put together my one woman show so that's writing but then actually writing songs I've always sung other people's material but I was in New York a year or so ago and I bought just off chance someone had mentioned this book to me and there it was in front of me the artist way and I bought it and then when I came home and the new year began I started to hide myself away in my spare room and I started to do week by week. And then I got to week eight and this happened to be March and that's when the mosque shootings happened and I was absolutely devastated. It was just horrific, like for all of us when that happened in our own hometown, you know, four k's from where we live. And I just thought, what am I going to do with all this emotion? I've got to put it somewhere. So I went and I started to write lyrics. And then I had these lyrics and I thought, well, am I enough of a musician to actually sit down at the piano and work out chords? And before I knew it, I was ringing my colleague, wonderful musical director and pianist up in Hamilton, David Sidwell. And I said to David, look, I've written the song and I was out of my comfort zone, majorly. But it was so precious to me that I needed it to be written and I needed to sing it. And so he took it away from me and I let him take it and and we were in Waiheke Island performing and we sat down there and worked it out together And then before I knew it, I was in the recording studio at Orange Studio. I had gathered the Cobham Intermediate Special Choir and we recorded the song. I flew my darling friend Frankie down from Wellington and there was my song that I created. And so for me, I suppose, then I went, oh, well, maybe I could do more of this. But I think like a lot of songwriters, you've got to really find that space to listen to your instincts, to dig deep within, to find out what do I actually want to say, you know? And I think for me that was a really big trust thing, listening to internally, yeah. I think it's an absolutely ideal time to hear that song uh, and it is called... Release Our Love. Today we stand beside you children and their children 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ali Harper on Plains FM 96.9. Ali, I want to talk about the first major concert that you attended, perhaps as a child or perhaps something that you put your hand in your pocket and stumped up the cash for. What was the first big gig you remember? Oh, gosh. Well, I think Carol King was pretty influential, yeah, when she came over. Where was that? Uh, that was in Christchurch. I really enjoy Carol King and... Of course, her you know whole album Tapestry, and just the fact of her standing up there and just chatting to the audience and letting them in, I thought this is really awesome. Um, and of course, seeing all those great um, you know bands that we, we all grew up with, Duran Duran, and all those guys who we you know you hear that music now, it just is like we're there, we're so youthful. Uh, you know, I've been really inspired, especially by female singers. I love seeing them live. You know. Great. Where did the encouragement come from in your life to to get out and to to express yourself? Was it your parents, or was it something that you? No, you it wasn't inside? my parents. Um, my mother really wanted me to do something sensible. She was quite alarmed by my choice. Was there anything else aside from music and in, in oh, your life? Oh well, when I left school, she made me go and do a secretarial and business course. At Polytech, and How I went for a year. Yeah, look, it was an interesting year. I was eighteen, and I survived. And from it, I learnt, you know, to touch type. I learnt shorthand, and I just learnt general bookkeeping. So, as a you know owner of a production company, that's actually been okay. It's been useful. You know, and I've needed those skills. So, look, I survived that year, and then my mother saw I was still really determined to follow this path, and 
during that time, I actually auditioned for Chess the Musical, the national tour. So I got in. And then she said, okay, well, if you're really serious about this, I've just seen an article about Toy Fakari, the New Zealand Drama School. So it's just kind of like all these doors, they open when the timing's right. How did your dad feel about this? Oh, he was great. He was always very proud of me, you know, crying at my concerts when I was at St. Joseph's Society doing The Sound of Music. You know, I started out doing the great amateur theatre and, you know, and I did Oklahoma. And so all those leading lady roles really also, you know, planted the seed that I was on the right path. And, you know, Dad was awesome. He didn't care what I chose to do. There must have been a nightmare performance or at least a not a very good performance. Anything well, come to mind? It's funny. I do have this real um, thing I've had to work through of forgetting lyrics. And when I was at high school, yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those terrible things. And I notice a lot of these older singers now, they actually have them written across a tannoy type thing up the top. So imagine that. That would be heaven if I could go out and go, oh, I can just look up there. But then again, I do love storytelling and actually finding the lyrics from that truthful place in your heart and your mind is much better because in the storytelling it's really authentic. Whereas I wonder how truthful it is when you're singing your songs, you know, and you're up there watching your lyrics. Can't, can't the audience see your bodies? Your eyes scanning, <laughs> you know, and that's big responsibility for the computer guy making the, you know, lyrics go past. So I was in a school production of Grease as Marty and I just forgot the lyrics. Freddie, my love, I love you so, oh, very much. Freddie, my love, I love you so, oh. You know, and it just you were doing the Broadway version, and obviously, on, and on. Oh my goodness, it was like enough for me to just want the floor to just be cut open, and I just get swallowed. And that it's funny when you've had that trauma. I must, I should have gone to hypnotist, you know, to get it kind of away from my. But it's something I've always kind of suffered with, so I have to really work and work and work on my lyrics. I have to rely on a bit of a photographic memory. I go walking the streets with my script. I'm that nutty woman you see with a script and walking around Hagley Park. So, yeah, I've got lots of skills that I use. Have you done Greece since then or done Greece again? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> I don't know if this was the most pleasant experience. I don't really like Greece anymore. Thanks very much. Um, court Theatre did Greece. And, uh, yeah, I sort of came to that age where Ross Gumbly says to me, Oh, Ellie, we're doing Greece. Would you like to play Miss Lynch? Oh my goodness, how insulting. But one must pay the bill, so I did a whole summer of grace. <laughs> Have you gracefully accepted that those 20-something roles are no longer yours? Or Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, no, it's a good question, Ian. I have to say... You know, I've done a few of those Christmas musicals where there's all these very beautiful, fit, amazing, young, up-and-coming, you know, graduates. With of, no experience. Uh, yeah, well, look, look NASDAQ is a very good training ground. It really is. And a lot of the cast um, that, you know, I've been doing those musicals with have come from NASDAQ. Um, look, they're all amazing. There are some great roles written for women of my age. There really are. It a highlight would be Mrs. Johnson in Blood Brothers. Goodness. So the mother roles, they can have a lot of heart. And even in Legally Blonde, Paulette, she was a great comedy role, the hairdresser. She was fun. She was cool and strong and guided these young, you know, members on the stage with me. The stories, it was awesome. So, yeah, no, look, there are some great roles. Is there a Sunset Boulevard oh, on the yeah. horizon? Hey, you must have read my mind because I was actually meant to, I was going to say then, uh, Sunset Boulevard would be awesome. 
I would love that role, Norma Desmond. That mm-hmm. would be a great role to play one day. So looking back to, to young Ali, at least, is there anything you would say to uh, emerging onto the theatrical stage to oh, that young woman? Just don't give a fat rat's ass, honestly. I, I want to swear right now because the best advice I've ever been given is by a director who has directed me in a couple of very difficult one-woman shows. And he said to, to, he said to me, tell yourself to F off. And I think that's, you know, just like brush your shoulder and say, tell yourself to, mm-mm. It's great if you can just do that in your life. And just as I keep on saying that word instincts, just trust your gut. It's really great. So I think I've wasted a lot of some of my auditions when I was in Australia, being worried, being nervous. And I'd see all these confident young women come in and go, yep, this is what I do. This is the key. I, go, I can sing the song. And no, I want to do that again. Whereas I'd come in all meek and mild and say, oh, hello there, yes. Um, and they'd ask you, oh, what top note can you get up to? I'd say, oh, um, and I doubt my answer. So yes, there's been situations where I've gone, bummer. If only I could have that time back. But then again, we wouldn't be where we are now. You know, it's just, that's life, isn't it? Can't go back and we shouldn't have regrets. Short of playing If I Could Turn Back Time, which of course we don't want to do. Um, <laughs> have you got a favourite track, an all-time fave, something that we'd like to play Ooh, for the folks? Well, I mean, a song that I will often put on and I'll just go, yeah, this is heaven. And I'm a great admirer of his work. Is Nat King Cole's Frim Fram Sauce. I don't want french fried potatoes Red ripe tomatoes I'm never satisfied I want the frim fram sauce With the awesome fee With shafafa on the side I don't want pork chops and bacon That won't awaken My appetite inside I want the frim fram sauce with the awesome fee with shafafa on the side. A fella really got to eat, and a fella should eat right. Five will get you ten. I'm gonna feed myself right tonight I don't want fish cakes and rye bread You heard what I said Waiter, please serve mine fried I want the frim fram sauce with the awesome fig With shafafa on the side Should 
five will get you ten. I'm gonna feed myself right tonight. I don't want fish, cakes, and rye bread. You heard what I said. Waiter, please serve mine fried. I want frim fram sauce with the awesome fate. With shafafa on the side. If you don't have it, just bring me a check for the water. Okay, fancy an afternoon or evening at the Piano in Christchurch with Ali? Just head to gardenofsound.nz forward slash win to enter the draw for a pair of tickets to the matinee or evening show. That's gardenofsound.nz forward slash win. I'll be making that draw early next week, so get those entries in sharp. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ali Harper on Plains FM 96.9. Ali, I want to talk about um, uh, recorded material. Um, when was the first time you got into a studio to put some vocals down on something? Mm, well, I did a very first album called Something So Right, which was new treatments of 1970s songs. There was this chap in Wellington who wanted me to do an album and he funded it and it was amazing. I was in my 20s and so we hired um, Richard Marriott. He did all the arrangements and he produced, you know, was in the you know, studio producing me. We got CSO strings. We got, oh, no, New Zealand Symphony Orchestra strings, sorry. And all these amazing musos from all over New Zealand to come together. That was my first recording experience of this new album, my debut album. It was quite overwhelming, I have to say. I didn't realize whoa and now I've just recorded my sixth album oh boy how far I understand the whole recording I you know concept and and doing things again and did you crash back down to earth with the second album because it sounds like there was a tremendous amount of money invested yes, in that first yes. one was it somewhat yeah. more spartan perhaps oh yeah second? well i i funded all the other albums that i've done so with that second one it was it's called naughty and nice and it's a double album and i just chose songs that resonate with me and so the the cd that's called naughty is has got lots of fun songs on it really gorgeous re- quite a variety and on the i've got a latin little flavor to it and on the nice side a lot of ballads i mean even like chicago's if you leave me now so going back to that childhood again you know where i loved music to more modern songs so it's a real mishmash but it was it's very true to me and then my third album, uh, actually my three albums since then have been very much focused on the shows that I've written. Legendary Divas, which celebrates all the legendary women that we can think of. Edith Piaf, Barbara Streisand, a lot of the great singers that I adore. Doris Day. Uh, and so that was that album. And then... Um, Songs for Nobodies, which was a one-woman show I did at the court. And so we thought, let's do a little souvenir album of that. So, yeah, I've done quite a few. And Doris Day Special, which was all Doris Day songs. As a much-loved performer in a small country, what pays the bills or what is a bigger income generator? Is it is it a CD or is it doing the shows or...? Doing the shows. 
creating the CDs is merely just a little sideline. It, it's a support of the show. So when people come to see the show, they want to take something home with them mm-hmm. to keep remembering. And so they get the CDs that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the new album is The Look of Love. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're a Bacharach yeah. fan. Um, uh, why when there's so many wonderful yeah. uh, composers out of the world? I know, yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, you know, I love talking to my audience members after my shows and, and I mention it a couple of times and people's eyes just lit up. I don't know what it is about Bacharach. Simple times, the 60s, 70s, his music is really toe-tapping, jaunty, fun music. Also a lot of heart. The melodies are rich. I don't know what it is, but I've discovered it's just fantastic music. Who produced the album? I did. On yeah. your own? Yeah. So with all of the experience you've gained over the last mm. the last six, what is probably the biggest uh, thing you have learned from all the other amazing producers and arrangers over the years that you've sort of carried forward to well, your production style? What's made this experience so enjoyable is I've worked with Tom Rainey for the first time. And Tom Rainey is a big Bacharach fan, so I never felt like I was alone doing this project. You know, I had Tom at my side all the time. We've had amazing, fun-filled sessions together, writing the show, then working out what to put on the album. And also Tom, because he knows the material so well, you think you know a song, you sing along with it, and then you go, oh my gosh, this is actually really difficult. The rhythms are difficult. The intervals are difficult. I mean, you think of Alfie, Scylla Black. She took 32 takes to record what Burt Bacharach wanted in that studio in Abbey Road, you know, uh, where the Beatles, you know, recorded all their albums she's had to do that 32 times I mean it's so difficult listen to the intervals of this what's it all about Alfie is it just for the moment we live I mean the pitching wise boy you have to be on the ball so putting together all the musicians and that's the other thing is so I had Tom Rainey but between us and the people we know, Gwyn Reynolds, Scott Tatoko, Cameron Pierce on horns. I mean, they are the creme de la creme of New Zealand horns. Uh, the CSO strings, my beautiful friends, the BVs, you know, Naomi Ferguson, Juliet Reynolds Midgley, Janine Bailey. I mean, top amazing singers, you know, coming all together to create this album. I am so excited. I'm very proud of it, actually. What are we going to hear off the album? What the world needs now. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Another mountain, there are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross, enough to last till the end of time. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the What the world needs now is love, sweet love, no, not just for some, but for every. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ali Harper on Plains FM 96.9. We've just heard a track off The Look of Love and you're about to go out on the road, which is tremendously exciting. I believe you're in Nelson uh, tomorrow night. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Christchurch. Christ 21st and 28th, so two Saturdays at the piano mm-hmm. for four shows. And then I hit the road to, now, to Wellington for a whole month season at Circa Theatre. Wow. Okay. Uh, before I forget, how do people um, find out more about what's happening on the tour? They can go on my website, mm-hmm. www.alliharper.com. You talk about production company and putting this album together yourself and you do uh, you do yoga and you do teaching and you do so many things. You can't be sort of like an endless vial of energy. Oh, uh, there must yeah. be times when you're, um, I know you had yeah, enough. my cup. It's often empty. Yes. Um, how do you how do you refill yeah. that cup or bring yourself back? Yeah, it's it's hard, and and I and I get a surprise when I actually I do get tired, and I go, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do all this stuff. And there, I, actually, last week I did have one of those weeks. Um, lasted about three days where I just went, oh my goodness, I could just lie on a couch, but I've got so many things to do, so many balls in the air. And, you know, and great thing is my husband's pretty hardy. I can sort of rant and rave to him and say, oh, it's too much. I'm tired and I've got wee boys as well. Um, But what I need to do is just be really disciplined with myself and go to bed early. And yoga helps. Lying on my yoga mat and just you know, lying there and just doing some gentle stretches. I love that. And I love I love teaching yoga too because it also helps fill my cup. It's There's something about giving and you actually receive back. And it's a yeah, funny thing. But I think I've got to just not worry. You, you recharge. You recharge. And so, yeah, no, don't worry. There are times where I am tired, really tired. And you've got to be careful of that because your vocal cords can get tired, all those things. But I try and eat well. You know, on yeah. the physical side of things, I am interested. Do you have any sort of rescue remedies? Let's say if you are vocally oh, uh, yeah. tired or exhausted, what sort of regime would you go through to bring yourself back from? Well, lots of water. 
try not to talk. There was something a couple of weeks ago where I try not to talk for a day. And that's really hard, especially when you've got children. My husband's really understanding. There's a great technique with a straw and you blow into the straw, not allowing any air to escape around the lips. And that's very good at just lengthening through the vocal cords. It's a very good technique that more and more drama schools are incorporating. So, you know, if you're ever tired and you know you've got to come and do an interview, strawing's really great. And even having the discipline to straw at the end of a gig. So you do a big gig of singing. A warm down. A warm down. As opposed to hitting the bar. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So you just learn lots of little tools. But then sometimes your voice is just tired your whole system is tired so that's where you've just got to take time out for yourself like in the weekend I just thought I'm just going to lie on the couch and watch some Crown the Crown I'm late coming to it because lots of other people have said oh it's amazing well I started to watch it and I felt like I had actually soaked myself in a warm bath of just doing nothing it's quite a skill isn't it when you're used to being busy 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 of doing nothing but it was fun Yeah, I enjoyed that. So I've got to do a bit more of that. Talking about being busy and not wanting to be too daunting um, with the new tour that's um, about to um, to unfurl. What's the What's the next plan? What (laughs) does Ellie want to want to achieve or do? Oh my goodness! Well. After Burt Bacharach, a Carol King show, which is going to be a headliner at the Jazz Cabaret Festival at the James Hay. And that's very exciting because I love Carol King. And that's on the 23rd of May. And then I go into rehearsals to do End of the Rainbow up in Wellington, which is playing, of course, Judy Garland in the last three days of her life. So that's going to be hugely challenging. Then you know what I think I want to do is I want to do more yoga teaching. I sort of see myself just staying a bit more at home for that second half of the year. But people that know me well go, yeah, we'll believe that when we see it. Yeah, because um, I think opportunities come up and I like to take every opportunity. I would like to go and do sound healing in Bali, a teacher training. Tell me more about that. Well, sound healing, they're discovering more about using tuning forks and they scan over your body for your energetic, um, you know, chakras and things like that, blockages, and you can actually help heal people with Tibetan bowls and things like that. And, and using my voice, like at the end of my yoga classes at Flow Hot Yoga, I will often sing while everyone's in Shavasana. And I'll just sing something beautiful with a lovely message. And people just... They love it and I love it because it's feel like you're cloaking them and just love. And so for me, I feel really feel like I'm that's calling me more. And so I don't know whether the performing is going to be as much in my life. I mean, the Burt Bacharach I've written in a way that is a very healing concert of great music, but also we've written a patter song which is all about take this moment to breathe. You know, people don't breathe enough. So, yes, I've got some wonderful mentors in Victoria, Pomeroy and Tanya Crossland at uh, Flow Hot Yoga who are going to be building this amazing wellness studio. So I think I'd like to be more involved in that. But we'll see. We know. Who knows? Back to the performance. Any venues around the world that you you think I would still love to get into? Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Is that a Judy thing? Um, it's a Judy, it's a Maria Callas, it's an Edith Piaf, it's a Barbara Streisand, they've all done it. It's a beautiful venue. I was there watching uh, Renee Fleming, uh, not last year, the year before, sitting up there going, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So yeah, it will be really lovely to, to stand there with the, I don't know, the New York Philharmonic and sing. It would just be quite dreamy, yeah. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I often say uh, one for luck to take us out mm. at the end of the um, at the end of the mm. show. Uh, of those wonderful female performers that you've just mentioned, is there any anyone perhaps a track from those women you'd like to play? Yes, there's one woman who I owe a lot to, and she taught me to sing in a way where you wear your heart on your sleeve, and that would be Barbara Streisand. What song are we going to hear from her? Papa, can you hear me? From her movie that she produced, starred and directed. Thank you very much. You can see where I got the inspiration from, from Yentl. Ali, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Ian. God, our Heavenly Father. Oh, God, and my Father, who's also in heaven, This flickering candle illuminate the night the way your spirit illuminates my soul. Papa, can you hear me? Papa, can you see me?
Got a bit of extra time today, so it's dealer's choice. Ali spoke about so many wonderful performers today. For your listening pleasure, we've got Scylla Black with Elfie, followed by one of my faves. It's Rufus Wainwright doing Judy Garland at Carnegie Hall, and he's singing If Love Were All. What's it all about, Alfie? Is it just for the moment we live? What's it all about when you thought it out, Alfie? To be cruel And if life belongs Only to the strong Alfie What will you then On an old golden rule As sure as I believe There's a Somebody splendid really needed me 
It's been almost one year since the Christchurch mosque shootings. So today I want to pay tribute to the amazing men and women who lost their lives and those who supported the survivors in the last year with a track from Olivia Eady. She was a performer at Garden of Sound Live last year and this is her song, Glow. Things have changed for you 
This is Garden of Sound on Plains FM and my guest today was Ellie Harper. The Look of Love Tour kicks off tomorrow in Nelson and you can get yourself tickets to all of those gigs at alliharper.co.nz. Here's another beautiful number off Ellie's new album. This is I Say a Little Prayer.
warming my hand now I'm wondering what dress to wear now I say a little prayer for you Thanks so much for being here today. My guest was Ali Harper. Head along to gardenofsound.nz and click on Ali's picture on the front page to check out a bespoke Spotify playlist of all the songs and artists we talked about today. And there's also a link through to Ali's website to find out more about the Look of Love tour and CD. All right, that's all for Garden of Sound, sponsored by The Nephilist, alcohol-free drinks that stir you. Find out more at thenephilist.com. Love to have you back next Friday. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Masalema.